Good morning again. Will you pray with me for just a moment? Lord, we ask that you would speak and that we, your servants, would be listening. I ask for myself that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be acceptable in your sight. Lord, my rock and my Redeemer. Amen. So, throughout the season of Epiphany, I want to be reflecting on one question with you. And that is, how do we share the good news? This is the theme of Epiphany, that the light of Christ is shining into our lives, into the darkness of our souls. And that out of that, We are called as His people, as the church, to to let that light shine through us in some way. To be like one of the Chinese or Japanese, what what are they called? The lanterns, you know? To be sort of like that in our lives. The light of Christ filling us up and us sharing that light in the world. Um, This is fitting for our church because our mission, abiding in Christ as His disciples, uh, invited to rest and compelled to love. Uh, we, we believe that these two things, invited to rest and compelled to love, uh, they, they belong together in the good news of Jesus. One, when you come into a relationship with Jesus, one of the first things you have to do is you have to stop trying to save yourself in the many ways that a lot of us try to do that. Christian and non-Christian alike, we are constantly trying to fix our lives or the lives of those around us. And one of the things that we have to do when we believe in Jesus is simply stop. Stop. And rest in the one who came to save you. But then, out of that rest and out of that being saved, we are indeed compelled to love the world that God sent His Son to die for and to serve that world. And so that's the part of it that we're going to be reflecting on more during the season of Epiphany is what does it mean to be compelled to love? What does it mean to share the good news of the Lord Jesus with others? I do want to make sure that you're aware of our bellwether for this month that where Zoe Hansen has actually, uh, she's written on this herself, but then she's drawn on others Uh, who have written on this theme. And so I encourage you to uh, grab that today and to spend some, some time with it. Our passage this morning is a fitting passage for this question of how we share the good news because Jesus begins His ministry of sharing the good news and the news of His kingdom by being baptized and by being spoken over and affirmed by the Father. So if Jesus begins His ministry of sharing the good news with baptism, by receiving His identity from the Father, where do you think our work of sharing the good news should begin? It's probably going to be close to what Jesus experienced, right? It probably should fit somewhere with what happened to Jesus. That's what I want to talk to you about specifically from our passage this morning, is what God wants us to do when it comes to sharing the good news, is not make evangelism this sort of like separate 
category for our lives. Another program within the church that's disconnected from discipleship, but it's this other thing that we have to do, and if we don't do it, we should feel guilty about that, right? That's not what evangelism and sharing the good news is about. What God is actually inviting us to do is make Jesus' life our life. He is inviting us, He's calling us to make Jesus' life our life. For us to attach ourselves to Jesus' life and to claim His life as our own. Anything that God says to Jesus, He's saying to us. What happens to Jesus and what's true for Jesus is true for you. That's what God wants you to receive. And if we become people who hear the Father say to us, you are my beloved child. With you, I'm well pleased. You know what happens when you're constantly hearing the Father speak those words over you? You naturally begin to talk about the good news. It becomes this sort of overflow of your life where you share His love with others in a natural and free way. That's what God wants for us. Is that Jesus' life becomes our life. What God says is true for Jesus becomes true for us. And then we become the kind of people who are compelled to love. And who do naturally share the good news of Jesus with others. I want to share with you from this passage in the Gospel a few ways in which God does invite us, call us, to make Jesus' life our life. There, there happen to be these few places where God does this. This is in Mark chapter 1, starting in verse uh, 10. Jesus has come to be baptized. He's come to identify with humanity. The Son of God comes to identify fully with us. He's baptized, and we're told that three things happen after He's baptized. He comes up out of the water, and suddenly the heavens are torn open. That's one thing that happens. The second thing that happens is that the Spirit descends on Him like a dove. And the third thing that happens is that a voice comes from heaven and tells Him who He is, that He's the Beloved One. And these are all places in which God is actually inviting us to claim this story for ourselves, actually. That this is true for Jesus. But because it's true for Jesus, it's also true for you. So let me explain that some. This first one, where the heavens are torn open. You see, God made the world in such a way in Genesis that heaven and earth were supposed to be connected Not two separate places, but they're supposed to be overlapping. God's domain, humans' domain are supposed to belong together and work together. And this is why when it says that God walked with Adam and Eve in the garden, that it doesn't seem like heaven and earth are separate. They're together, right? The Spirit is hovering over those waters of creation. Actually, this story where the Spirit's descending is suggesting that God is renewing things like they were in Genesis. Heaven is coming to join with earth again in the person of Jesus. So heaven being torn open, this sounds 
amazing and it's hard to imagine what this would have been like to see it. Is it like a window being opened up in the sky? It's really hard to picture this. What would a movie, a film look like of this moment, right? But what it's suggesting is that heaven is coming to earth again. That creation is being restored. But here's another beautiful part of this. When it, Mark says that heaven was torn open, and that's an important word. It's a strong word. There's only one other place in Mark's gospel where this particular word is used. Can you think of a place where this word is used? It's at the crucifixion. When Jesus breathes his last, we're told that the curtain in the temple, that curtain that divided the holy place, the most holy place from the rest of the people who would come into the temple, that that most holy place was separated. That, That most holy place where God's presence lived was separated from the rest of the people. And we're told that at the moment that Jesus dies, that curtain is torn in two. What we're seeing in this story is that Jesus' baptism, in one sense, is the beginning of His ministry to restore people to God. And to reopen the way to God. The way between heaven and earth. How do we as human beings who live here on earth, how do we connect to the Creator, to the One who made all things? How do we make sure that our prayers aren't just hitting a ceiling, but they're actually going before the throne of God itself? Jesus' baptism is the beginning of a ministry in which He is reopening that way to God. And He is uniting heaven and earth. And so His baptism is a way in which He is beginning to invite all of us to make our life one with Him. To make His life our life. His baptism, His life of full obedience to God that climaxes in His death and His resurrection is for us. It's for all of humanity so that all of humanity might be welcomed into the presence of God. Jesus is reopening the way to God. He's restoring heaven and earth together. And He's inviting us to join with Him. He wants us to make His life our life. So that we become places where heaven and earth overlap. Even in ourselves. I wonder if you are experiencing that overlap of heaven and earth in your life. When you pray. When you come into worship, when you come to celebrate communion, do you experience a sense of God's presence in the way that He is here and heaven and earth have been restored through His Son? So the heavens being torn open, this is one place God is inviting us, restoring us in relationship. The the second place that we're being invited to make Jesus' life our life is in this phrase that the Spirit descended on Him like a dove. The Spirit is the presence and power of God. Israel believed that the Spirit 
And, and this had actually happened. The Spirit had left the people of Israel because of their sin. So they believed that in one sense, the Spirit of God was absent from them. And so this moment in which the Spirit descends is suggesting that the Spirit of God is no longer absent from God's people. He is coming to be with His people again. To dwell with them. To lead them. I've seen this amazing thing happen with people that I know who walk closely with God. Where I, I really can see the Spirit's work in people. I wonder if you've seen things like this. There are some of you that I know who have been in a pretty bad situation in life. And you have been praying and you've been set on a particular decision. And a week goes by where you continue to pray. And the next time I've talked with some of you, when you're going through things like this, it's you actually sensed God leading you to take a 180 in the way that you were dealing with a situation. This is always amazing to me. And it, and it says something about the way that God's Spirit works in people. This is the thing that the Holy Spirit does. Because of the Holy Spirit being present in people's lives, people can change. New things are possible. He can lead you in entirely different directions when you're seeking to walk with Him. Jesus, His own ministry is a ministry of being led by the Holy Spirit. And the Apostle Paul is going to say that the Holy Spirit is the one who adopts us to make us sons and daughters of God. And that by the Holy Spirit, we learn to cry out, Abba, Father. To live in that intimate union with God where He is our Father and we are listening and talking to Him as an intimate Father. Jesus' baptism is this place where the Spirit is coming back to live with God's people. And this story is not just for Jesus. It's suggesting that God's Spirit wants to come and live with you. Be present to you and lead you and help you know how to relate to God and live in relationship with Him. I wonder if you're experiencing the Holy Spirit in your life that living power and presence of God. And if you're not, why might that be? Is there anything, any pet sin that could be keeping you from the power of the Holy Spirit? Is there maybe just busyness and not sitting down long enough to listen and to be still and quiet? Or maybe it's not sin or anything like that. It's just you need to learn some new ways of relating to God. Sometimes you just experience God as silence for extended periods. And that's not to suggest you're doing anything wrong. But maybe you need to talk with people to make sure that there's something you aren't missing. Are you experiencing the Holy Spirit? If not, are you talking with people who might can walk with you, support you, encourage you? This is another way in which this story is not just Jesus' story. It's God wants it to be ours. Us to make His life our life. That we live in the power of His Spirit. Now the last way 
that this story invites us. First, the heavens are torn open. We're being restored to God. Second, we're living by the power of the Holy Spirit. But, and lastly, this, the thing that happens is this voice comes from heaven. And it says, You're my beloved son. With you, I'm well pleased. I want you to remember when this is happening. This is happening before Jesus begins his ministry. And that's really important. God gives you an identity not based on how well you do at life. If this had come after, at the end of Jesus' ministry only, we might think, well, I guess we have to be really obedient like Him in order to receive this name. That's not the way it works. This is a name that God gives to His Son at the very beginning. And this is a name that God gives to you when you are baptized into His family. It is not based on anything that you do. It's the opposite. It's based on what Jesus has done. It's based on that curtain being torn asunder, being torn in two, welcoming you into God's presence. God speaks over you at your own baptism and says what He has said to Jesus. You are my beloved child. And with you, I'm well pleased. I wonder if you could this morning put, even put your name in that statement. My beloved Frank, with you, I'm well pleased. My beloved Gail, with you, I'm well pleased. Maybe you could, in just a moment as I close, maybe you could say that to yourself. But know that that's God's voice. My beloved, with you I'm well pleased. What happens to a person who begins to receive and truly believe this identity about themselves? You can mess up at everything. I mean, it's like there are these films about, they're so silly. There's this one about this woman who's not very pretty, but she hits her head and all of a sudden believes herself to be extraordinarily beautiful. And she acts like she's extraordinarily beautiful, but everybody else is like, who do you think you are? And, and there's a sense in which that's supposed to be true for the child of God. Look, you're not going to be perfect you're going to blow it. Sometimes you're going to blow it and it's not necessarily sin. You're just, you know, you, you miss social cues. Whatever it is, you mess up. And you know what? You're still the beloved. It's who you are. And nobody can change that about you. And you are supposed to believe that to the depth of your being. Now again, we're talking about what does it mean to share the good news? And the thing that I hope you would receive this morning is that the first thing to sharing the good news is that you make Jesus' life your life. And what God says about Jesus, He says it about you. 
And if you believe this, this means that when you go to share the good news with people, you don't have to be perfect at it. It's not a sin to be imperfect at evangelism. You know what is a sin? Not to share the good news ever. What you're to receive in yourself is this loving embrace and affirmation of God that leads you to sit with people and not have to prove anything. Not to have to force anything, but simply to be present as the child of God and ask God, how do you want me to be present as your love in this person's life, in this situation? I'm your child. I'm your beloved. What have you called me to do to show your love to those around me? How do we share the good news? Well, the first thing that we're called to do is we are called to receive Jesus' life as our own and to receive God's word over us. You're my beloved. With you, I'm well pleased. Will you take a moment before we move on with our service to let God say that to you? To say it to yourself as the words of God. You're my beloved. With you, I'm well pleased. I'll pause for just a moment and then we'll stand and confess our faith together.